Summer, the best time of year, usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there's another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. Here, everyone can have lounge chair access, no reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, we have all the essentials you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. Scared to death is explicit in every way. Please take care while listening. Whether thou art a ghost that hath come from the earth, or a phantom of night that hath no hollow, or one that lieth dead in the desert, or a ghost unburied, or a demon, or a ghoul, whatever thou be until thou art removed, thou shalt find here no water to drink. Thou shalt not stretch forth thy hand to our own. Into our house enter thou not. Through our fence break through thou not. We are protected though we may be frightened. Our life you may not steal though we may be scared to death. Welcome to Scared to Death, Creeps, Peepers, Roberts, and Annabelles. I'm Dan. I'm Dan. You're Dan as well. Two Dans this week. Hey, Dan. I'm Lindsay. (laughs) Hello. Uh, Hello. You have a couple announcements for us, and then we're off into our stories. I have so many words. Okay. I have so many words to say. Well, this week, I have the merch announcement, and you know what that must mean. It's time to prepare to pre-order book number four. (laughs) So excited. This is just such a passion project. We love doing it every year. Um, And we just want to remind Annabelle's, you already know this, but your chance to pre-order one of the 500 autographed copies that have been reserved for the Annabelles is on Friday, July 21st at 12 noon Pacific time. So Annabelles, make sure you have your secret code to get that. Again, 500 of them available on that day just for you guys. So you have first dibs as a thank you for your undying support. And then for everyone else, Annabelle's, if you happen to miss it or just anyone else in the community that would like an autographed book, your books are available on July 25th at 12 noon Pacific time as well. Now, there will be a thousand autographed copies available, but you will also be able to pre-order the book. So if those thousand go and you want to guarantee that you get a book, this is the only way to guarantee that you get a book. Uh, that's your chance to do it. So again, that's for the general audience, July 25th at 12 noon Pacific time. Um, and then just so that you guys know as well, you also be able to get copies of volume ones volume two and volume three for immediate purchase. They'll all We did a reprint. Everything will be replenished in the store. So on July 25th, when those books are, uh, when you're ordering your pre-ordered autographed book, you can also get volumes one, two, or three individually if you need them to complete your set. Sweet. Does that all make sense? It does. Do you have any questions? Nope. Okay, great. That means I said it in a very clear way, so that's awesome. And then I also have this month's charity announcement. We skipped it last week. Uh, 
to get into the the grit of the 200th episode. So for this month, the month of July, we decided to donate to the Hill Country Humane Society. Uh, So cool uh, what they're doing over there. They're located in rural Texas, and they serve a population of people who can hardly afford healthcare for themselves, nonetheless their pets. Uh, The shelters are beyond capacity, and Texas ranks in the top one or two, depending on where you're Googling, of states that euthanize animals because of overcrowding. Uh, The secretary of this foundation had reached out to me about this months ago um, to see how we could help. And what they've decided down there is that the best way they can help is to be able to offer spay and neutering because Mm -hmm. then that keeps the population from growing. Well, again, like I said, it's a low income area, so it's challenging to be able to afford that. So they are building a mobile spay and neuter clinic. Yeah, so cool. It's so cool. It's such a great idea. So this is really going to help them. And it was just coincidental that the day that I decided with you that we were going to donate there, that our book editor, Drew, also sent me a text message to tell me about a shelter that he works at in South Carolina that had to euthanize seven dogs that day simply because of overcrowding. It's like, I can't talk about it too much because I just start to cry. But so just a reminder, if you're in the market for a pet and if you are able to, uh, please, you know, support your local shelter if that's Mm -hmm. an option for you in your life. If you have the time or the resources, financial or otherwise, to support your local shelters, it's a really important thing to do right now. Um, If you'd like to hear more about the Hill Country Humane Society, you can visit hchstexas.com. That's hchtexas.com. Cool. Whew. Okay. All right. Uh, do you want me to go over my Please, horror? Please, I need to catch my breath. That's okay. a lot of talking. <laughs> uh, before we hear about Lindsay's stories, uh, I have two tales. The first one was actually hard to work on when I was alone in a hotel the night after dropping Kyler off at his college early orientation. Uh, this thing got in my head and just super creeped me out. Uh, it's a story about someone name never given who claims to have had a very intense and terrifying paranormal encounter completely out of nowhere. Like no warning signs, no building up to it. Life is fine one moment, and the next, they're in hell. Uh, For my second story, I will share some history, horror lore, and encounter claims coming from a place that bills itself as one of Australia's most haunted places, the Monte Cristo Homestead. Um, Now, what do you have, Bathsheba? Why did... What did you just call me? Nothing. Don't even worry about it. Okay, Baphomet. The Monte Cristo... I feel like... Have we... I know there's some, there was another hotel, I think in the U S in Arizona, maybe that was okay. a similar name. Cause I, I kept, kept looking through the episodes. I'm like, wait a minute, this is a different story. Or you were just really hungry and you were thinking about the sandwich. Maybe that might be my problem right now. Uh, okay. Well, I have a little change of pace this week. I have four short stories this week. Okay. It was a fun way to, to use some of these smaller stories. My first story is about the man on the phone. Don't know what that's about. You're going to find out. All right. Uh, my second story is called the dark corner. So, I mean, you can just conjure up what that might be. Yep. One of your favorite things in uh, tale number three about a doppelganger. Okay. We haven't had one of those in a while. I know. And my fourth and final tale is about shadow friends. All kinds of stuff. All kinds. Like a little bit of this, a little bit of that. You socked up and ready to hear my first story? Bruh. Got your nanner socks on? I got nanner socks. Don't look at my feet like that. Whoa, whoa, whoa. (laughs) Cover your eyes. Going to give me a foot fetish. Whoa, 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 whoa. I just got done recording uh, the the shoe fetish slayer episode on Time Sucks. So I got weird foot fetish stuff. In my brain. Oh, I thought you were about to say I developed a weird foot fetish. I would like to thank Lane Lewis for these socks. Lane, it was lovely to meet you. Uh, and thank you for sending these socks our way. Cool. Well, my way. I'll share them with Dan <laughs> maybe later. Okay, no setup at all for my first story. Okay, let's dive in. It just begins with wondering about the paranormal. Uh, time now for the tale of I Hope It Comes For You Too. Rude. 
I wish I would have had some sense that it was coming. I'd be much less unsettled now if I'd felt something off about the place as I drove up to it, or the second I stepped inside past the front door. It would be easier now if I'd felt a cold spot in my room when I dropped off my luggage, or winding down for bed that first night if I'd heard scratching from inside the walls, footsteps out in the hall, seeing a shadowy figure flit past the window, seeing something, anything unusual. I'd even feel a bit better now if the house was really old, creepy looking in some way. Or if I'd heard later that it was haunted, that others had experienced something like I did. Or at the very, very least, if I was able to find some article online that told me about something tragic once happening in the home, or if I was able to get the owner to tell me that, then I would know that what happened had everything to do with that place, and that as long as I avoided that place, I'd never have to see that thing again. But no, nothing. And now I think that the worst paranormal experience you can have is the one that you could have never seen coming. The one where there were no warning signs to ignore, no clues to uncover, no red flags, and then after it happens, no one to commiserate with. I was visiting family a few years ago just outside of Des Moines. My mom and stepdad had moved there a couple years earlier to be able to live close to my stepdad's elderly mother, whose health was failing. Two of my sisters and their husbands made the trip as well, and they stayed with our parents. I was invited to stay over at the house as well, but riding solo. I was going to be last in line for either of the guest bedrooms, and I would have been sleeping on either a blow-up mattress in the basement or on the couch in the living room. Neither option sounded appealing. And so, because I'm not a little kid anymore, most of my family gets up and starts their days quite a bit earlier than I do, and I have the money to get my own place. I did just that. Instead of grabbing a hotel room, which were weirdly expensive, I found a cute little Airbnb. Just under a mile from my parents' place, I'd have a kitchen so I wouldn't be entirely dependent on my mom's terrible cooking or takeout, and I could have a little spot for my siblings and I to have some late-night drinks and talk trash if we wanted to without waking up or pissing off my mom and stepdad. And I'd gotten it for a great deal. I was able to stay in this tiny little one-bedroom, one-bathroom, 1952 ranch house with a yard for less than half the price of a basic hotel room. I could have stayed in any number of cute little Airbnbs for much less than a hotel. Wish I would have picked a different one, but this one looked so lovely. The pictures online look great, newly remodeled, nothing mind-blowing, but really cute, warm and inviting. Literally nothing ominous about this place at all. When I checked in, the place looked exactly like the pictures. I stayed there three nights. Almost. The first two nights, nothing happened. And I mean nothing. No feeling of being watched, no cold spots, no orbs. I didn't randomly break out in goosebumps. Literally nothing seemed paranormal on any level. I hung out with my family during the day, and I had my siblings over for some drinks the second night I stayed there. I asked them all later, and none of them said they felt anything off in any way about the place. My last night in that place would be an entirely different story. I got back about 10 p.m. and was pretty beat. I'm a bit of an introvert, and while I get along great with my sisters, their husbands, and my mom and stepdad, even when there's no drama and I'm having a great time, at a certain point, I'm just tapped out when it comes to being around other people. Any other people. I had a long six-ish hour drive the next day and wanted to be on the road by no later than eight and get some decent sleep. I'd hoped to be in bed and falling asleep by 11. I decided to unwind with a cocktail and a little TV, so I made myself a vodka tonic and turned on Succession. I was and still am obsessed with that show. And pretty soon, towards the end of the episode, I started getting sleepy. When it wrapped up, I turned off the TV 
checked the front and back doors out of habit to make sure they were both locked, turned off all the lights except for in the bathroom and the bedroom, and I went to brush my teeth. They have a cabinet mirror at this place, and I put my toothpaste and toothbrush inside. I like to settle in when I stay somewhere. It all still felt fine. Not off in any way at this point. Eyes getting heavy, totally relaxed, I shut the cabinet door. What the fuck? I screamed when I saw that face. Standing in the hall was what looked like some sort of demon. A woman's distorted face. Massive mouth opened up to an enormous smile. Opened way too far. Her skin pulled back much too tight. No, so much gum showing. The proportions, they just weren't right for a normal mouth. And the eyes, bulging, totally white eyes. No pupils, no cornea, almost like eggs had been placed in her eye sockets. And they were about to pop out of her head. I about had a seizure seeing that thing. I screamed, shouted, spun around, slipped, and almost fell on my ass. And then when it was all over, she wasn't there. Oh my God! I screamed out to an empty house. And now the bathroom was freezing. My whole body was covered in goosebumps. One second I'd been fine, now I was thoroughly terrified. I wanted to run out of the house, but all I had on were my pajamas. So I just stood there, frozen, facing the bathroom door. And then I could feel something watching me. I could feel that thing watching me from the mirror behind me but I was too scared to turn around if I turned around and saw that thing in the reflection that would mean it would be right behind me again and what if it didn't disappear when I spun back around this time what if it stood there and blocked the door I took a step forward and froze again I heard what sounded like someone speed walking around the kitchen and living room loud footsteps stomping almost but going much too fast to be stomping Something adult-sized was zipping around the living room in a way that no human could quite pull off. It was that thing again. I literally now thought I was about to die. I was positive that thing was going to run into the bathroom at any moment and, I don't know, break my neck, rip my face off. I backed up towards the mirror. The footsteps suddenly stopped and the house was silent. But then I heard the cabinet mirror slowly creak open behind me. I was shaking. I was so scared now. I had to turn around. I was worried that thing was going to reach out from the cabinet and grab me. Once I turned fully around, I could see that the cabinet was all the way opened. And for one split second, I was so relieved. Bam! The cabinet slammed closed. And there there it was again, right behind me, bigger now, closer. I screamed again. Squealed might be more like it. And I just jumped into the shower and pulled the curtain closed behind me. I didn't know what else to do. I started screaming over and over. Leave me alone! Leave me alone! Leave me alone! Leave me alone! Footsteps again, moving around so fast, moving all over the house, running through the living room, kitchen, the hall, my bedroom, in and out of the bathroom. And then the power went out. Total darkness. The footsteps continued. Bam, 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 bam. The cabinet mirror door was opening and slamming shut over and over and over. Then the bathroom door started opening and slamming shut over and over as well. I didn't even realize that I'd started crying, but now there were tears all over my face. My heart was racing. And then all the noises stopped at once. The lights came back on and the temperature returned to normal. I stayed standing in the shower for probably two or three minutes. In addition to realizing I'd started crying, I was also now wearing wet pajamas. I had literally pissed myself. Finally, I put together a plan to escape. I packed up most of my stuff before I watched TV. I could leave a few things in the cabinet, grab my toiletry bag, run into my room, grab my suitcase, throw the outfit I'd set up for tomorrow on, grab my keys, phone, purse, and just jet. But first I had to get out of the shower. Building up my courage, I did a countdown before throwing back the curtain. Three. Two. One. Ah! 
I started screaming, then I threw the shower curtain back and I kept screaming as I grabbed all my things in what had to have been less than 60 seconds. I felt like I set a world record of some kind. I was heading out the front door towards my car with my stuff. I slammed the door behind me and felt such relief as I locked it. I let out a heavy exhale. <sighs> Phew. Bam, bam, bam. The thing was back and standing inside the living room and pounding on the door. It was staring at me through a window in the door with those fucked up white eyes, still wearing that crazy giant smile. I'll literally never forget that face. Stumbling in fear, I tripped and fell down the one little concrete step and tumbled over my suitcase and out into the yard. The living room lights now flipped on and now that fucking thing started zipping around all over the house doing its strange and terrible speeding around. I stumbled up to my feet, grabbed my stuff and ran to my car, throwing my shit in the back seat and then racing around to the driver's side. I jumped in, started the car and literally peeled out backing down the driveway. I also ended up veering out across part of the lawn and hitting the garbage can. Whatever. I pay for the damages and deal with them being pissed at me. I just had to get out. Now. I spun the car around 180 degrees in front of the house and sped away. And of course, I looked in my rearview mirror as I drove off. I expected that thing to be sitting in the back seat. Thank God it wasn't. But it was in the living room window, face up against the glass, watching me. It watched me right up until I drove out of sight. I drove the entire way home that night, only stopped once for gas. I kept thinking that thing was going to suddenly show up in the car, in the passenger seat, in the back seat, or in the mirrors, or maybe inside the gas station bathroom. But it didn't. When I got home, I expected to see it in my bathroom or somewhere else in my apartment. But I haven't seen it since, except for my nightmares. It's been two years since that thing happened or since I saw that thing. And I still have a couple nightmares at least each and every month where I'm back in that house with that thing. But this time it jumps on me and uses its freaky mouth to bite and bite and bite. It kills me like an animal, literally tearing my face and throat apart. What was that thing? I told the owner of the Airbnb that their place was haunted as hell and they acted like I was crazy. Like I was just saying that so I wouldn't have to pay for replacing the garbage can or damage to the lawn. I don't think they have any idea that their place is haunted. And maybe it's not. What if I'm the only person that has ever seen that thing there? That to me is so much worse than if I was one of many people to be terrorized by something in the same place. What if that thing shows up again in a year from now or somewhere else or tonight when I go to bed? What if some other monster shows up out of nowhere with no warning? I'm not crazy. I wasn't drunk or high when I saw it. What I saw was real. And if it can show up and come after me, it can show up and come after you. I wish I had a better way to end this story. I know this is messed up, but honestly, I hope it comes for you. I hope it terrorizes you so bad you feel compelled to share your story. I don't want to be alone with this experience anymore. Maybe if you see it, you'll know what it is and how to protect yourself from it. And you can somehow make sure that no one has to ever see that thing again. That is so rude to wish that on other people. I get where they're coming from, though. <sighs> yes and no. Yes and no. Because it's like, okay, if other people see it, not at that house... That would freak me out because then it's just like this thing that can show up anywhere. Like it's not contained or confined because it felt right. like it was confined to that space since it just kept running around the house. It didn't follow she or he out of the house. Yeah, they never say. I don't think. Um, it didn't follow them out of the house. So in a way, I kind of like, I'm like, well, you just stay there. If I were this person, I yeah. would consider, I would consider renting that place for like a week or so with some friends and seeing if I could get it to come back because then I could confirm that someone else has seen it, but that it's only there. That would make me feel more safe in my own home. 
You see yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, I see the logic there. I see the logic. I mean, I, would I don't get, know if it's logical, but I mean, I, I would get how scared they might be if they're worried this thing could actually like kill them or something. You know, they'd be so afraid to go back there. But I do like that plan of well, if I went back there with some friends and somebody else, we we see it there. Yeah. Then I know that, like you said, it's at this place. Yeah. And, and it can't just show up somewhere else. Because so far in the last couple of years, it hasn't shown itself anywhere right. other than this person's nightmares, which are in all likelihood just nightmares. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I do think it's interesting. I, I liked this story because there was no buildup. Yeah. It, just, it, it broke that typical pattern. And and there, and there is an extra bit of terror, I think, there where it's like you things are totally fine. Mm-hmm. No weird feelings, no bad vibes. And then just in like an instant, everything changes. Yeah. And it's just complete and, and like ramps up to 11 and just stays there until you leave the place. I know. I wonder what would have happened if they would have tried to stay the night. Yeah. Uh. I mean, I wouldn't have, and I'm glad that they GTFO'd, but... Yeah. I do have pictures. They, oh. They didn't list the address, but they did attach pics to the story. Okay. This is an exterior shot of the house. Definitely does not look like a place you would think would be haunted. I'm like, is that just down the street from here? I know. It could be in any, almost any, like, American city. Yeah. Uh, and, like, I feel like Airbnbs, like, they're often, like, with the bright door. Yep, it's like, it's the yep. house with the yellow door. Yep, yep. Uh, this next picture, just, yeah, nice little living room. They have it, you know, set up really well. This next one is the bedroom. It's a, it's a very small, yeah, one bedroom, one bath, but well-designed. Next one, another exterior shot revealing more of the Wait, yard. how did you get these pictures? They're attached they were, to the attached photo? To, yeah, attached to the story. I was just thinking, all of a sudden in my mind, I'm like, you can't attach an Airbnb listing to a story like this. No, they took screenshots of it. <laughs> um, and then finally, uh, this last pic not attached to the post, but the girl's face in this photo reminds me of what the author described. Ooh, what is that? Imagine that face. And that's like terrorizing you the in that space. What the fuck is that? How did you even find that? Uh, that was actually, um, I didn't get the artist's name. I don't know if the artist's name was attached, but there was like this, um, like these old photos, that, like on Etsy, where they're, they're oh, just like yeah. all creepy and stuff. You could buy little sets. Okay, that's enough of that. Yeah. Okay. Woo, woo, woo. Woo, whoa, whoa, whoopsie. <laughs> Ah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but but I'm going over that one like alone in the hotel. I, mean, I bet. It, it wasn't an Airbnb or a VRB. But, but still, still same idea. Once once I saw that picture and my mind attached that picture to the story, mm-hmm. I just was so creeped out. Well, and as you were telling the tale, I thought like m- the way that they were saying like it was so perfect. I was like, maybe it was too perfect. Mm-hmm. Maybe the owners do know. And so they've gone to great lengths to make it seem like the most innocuous, most like cozy little, oh, yeah. like no signs of anything. Everything is so perfect. Everything's great. Nothing to be afraid of here. Like a false sense of security. That's an interesting thought where it's like, what if somebody has a place that they rent out mm-hmm. that they know is haunted by something horrible and they like it. <gasps> and they like terrorizing people with it. What if they thing. have cameras set up? They watch it happen. Ooh. Ooh that would that's be a, creepy. That's such a good horror movie premise. Yeah. Like somebody who's an investor and they own a couple properties and it's like, you know, they trick people by like, oh yeah, well, I have this other property over here, like part of like a travel group. And then it's like, well, I stayed at, you know, Dan and Lindsay's place here uh-huh. and everything was fine. So let's try this one. And then they stay at that one and it's like, dun, dun, dun. Yeah. But meanwhile, the people who are renting it out are just at home, just eating popcorn, just loving it. Like, oh, this is the best thing ever. But mm-hmm. then it comes for them. I wonder if a horror movie has been done about something like that. I feel like there was. There's got to be something like that. Have you ever that. heard of that? Gay Talese wrote a book on that guy who owned a motel, and then he he made this like series uh, in in the attic 
where he could huh? get from room to room <gasps> to room and he would like hide cameras and he had this whole ledger of like watching people do their Whoa. shit. It was wild. I'm That's fiction? Awkward. Yeah. It, you know, it's, re- it's true. It's, oh, it's true. It yeah, is true. true. True true crime. I was trying to think of something too that was like similar to that. Whoa, like somebody somebody had a motel and they had a connected attic above all the rooms and they yes. would just crawl around spying on people staying there? Yes. Yikes. And they, and they would write down like, you know, 54-year-old blonde. They would like literally ledger out their sex capades. I was just going to say, I bet it was like oh. a weird sex yeah, fetish. Yeah, 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 for sure. Oof, yeah. Yeah. La, la, la. Okay, well, the the cover-up of like making it too perfect was one thing. And then that that frantic sound kind of thing. Like, I do- Fast stomping. Well, yeah, and just, it sounded like it was in a loop, just like a repetitive, like- Uh-huh. But like, the like- Yeah, just like speed walking. Yeah, yeah, But like speed stomping, just that little like- Zipping around the house, that is freaky. And when you put that face- with that movement, no thanks. No thanks. I wasn't saying please and thank you, anyways. But then also, like when they leave, and then the face is just like, yeah, in the, press in the, up against the glass, uh-huh. watching them. Mm-hmm. I do think that that thing was trapped there, though. Like, well, yeah, it never, some, le- it never left the physical boundaries of the house. Yeah, and some spirits are just confined that way. I don't really know why, but they just. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you have any more, or do you want to uh, leave Iowa for Australia? Uh, yeah, I think I'd rather be in the place that doesn't exist than Iowa. <laughs> uh, before we share more scares, we first need to take a quick in-between story sponsor break. Uh, thanks for using our sponsor deals, Creeps and Peepers. When you save money, you also help us continue to be sponsored. What is the most basic gift you have ever given the moms in your life for Mother's Day? Flowers? A candle? Some random knickknack you picked up at the last minute because you completely spaced Mother's Day? I have definitely made the mistake of procrastinating gifts for Mother's Day. And then, like the Friday before, I run to whatever store is open and convince myself that, yes, yes, my mom does need another coffee mug that declares she's the world's (laughs) best. So lame. This year, how about one-upping yourself by giving the moms in your life an Aura picture frame? Named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter, Aura frames are guaranteed to bring joy to any mom at any age. Aura Frames connect easily to Wi-Fi and have unlimited storage so you can share as many pictures as you want. This year, as many of you know, I am on a spending freeze, but one of my carve-outs was meaningful gifts for the people I love. I don't want to give all of the moms in our lives something that won't bring them joy. We are giving Aura Frames to the moms in our world because they are timeless, heartwarming gifts. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off, plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A Frames.com. Use code SCARED at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Summer, the best time of year, usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there's another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. Here, everyone can have lounge chair access, no reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, we have all the essentials you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. Why are smart businesses graduating to NetSuite by Oracle? Because NetSuite eliminates the expense of multiple business systems by consolidating your operations together into one. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. NetSuite reduces IT costs because it lives in the cloud with no hardware required, so you can access it from anywhere. You cut the cost and headaches of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. 
Bringing all your major business processes into one platform improves efficiency, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move, so do the math. You'll see how you'll profit with NetSuite, too. And now, by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Just go to netsuite.com slash podcast25 for more information. That's netsuite.com slash podcast25. Thanks again for listening to those deals, creeps and peepers. Okay, second story, decent amount of historical setup before we jump into the scares. Oh, I hate history. <laughs> I love the, uh, the town kidding. this place is set in. in. I thought you were about to be like, well, I love history. It's like, <laughs> yeah, so do I. In New South Wales, Australia, a beautiful two-story late Victorian-style manor sits atop a hill overlooking the small, around 5,000-person, adorable little town of Juni. I started watching a recent tourism video for Juni on YouTube just to make sure I was saying the name right, and I ended up watching the entire video and then doing further research. Are we going there? Oh, yeah. For a few minutes, I was ready to abandon podcasting and stand-up and just move to Juni, Australia. Uh, with you, of course. And I had this whole little plan dating room in my head. We were just going to live there for the rest of our lives. Oh. Uh, we were going to open up a bed and breakfast. Or, hold on. Or maybe a coffee shop or a little bakery of some kind full of tasty muffins and no-bake cookies and stuff. And they have so many cool businesses in Juni. Yeah. I object because in all of those situations, I'm doing all the work. Oh, that's part of the fun for me. <laughs> and then, uh, like, they have these cool businesses. Like, they have this big organic licorice and chocolate factory. Oh, I do love licorice. Super cool seeming people running these businesses. People who can pull off wearing, like, fun hats and stuff and not look weird. Uh, several of them moved there, initially attending to just live there for a few years. Ended up staying there for the rest of their lives. Okay, okay. I wish I had a t-shirt right now that just said, I love Juni Australia. How do you spell it? J-U-N-E-E. Oh, okay. Just, yep, like, yeah, the month uh, with an extra E. Junie! Junie! Uh, Junie B. Jones! <laughs> anyway, the allegedly very haunted Monte Cristo homestead was also mentioned in this video by the chocolate and licorice factory guy who in my daydream was going to be a very good friend of mine. We'd sit on his porch and drink whiskey and watch the sunset and he'd be kind of a business mentor and help make sure that our bakery worked out. Oh, boy. Anyway. This, this is my life. <laughs> anyway, this chocolate factory guy, he seems very sane, probably more than me. And he said that the stories about the Monte Cristo are not made up. He made a point to say that they are indeed, it is indeed a very haunted place. The Monte Cristo homestead bills itself as Australia's most haunted homestead. Many seem to believe it's one of Australia's most haunted locations in general, if not the most haunted place on the continent. With an estimated 10 spirits still supposedly encountered somewhat regularly, it seems like the haunting comes from the long history of unfortunate events taking place on the property. The Monte Cristo homestead was constructed in 1885 by a local pioneer, Christopher William Crawley. Crawley, who was born in Sydney in 1841, originally came to the area as a farmer. He married Elizabeth Carr in the fall of 1862. The couple moved to Juni shortly thereafter when the town wasn't a town yet. Just farm and ranch land and a smattering of homesteads. In 1866, the population still listed as only 12 people. Oh my gosh. An area gold rush and a new railroad would soon bring several thousand others into the area during the following decade. And in the 1870s, Crawley put his life savings into purchasing two massive plots of land, over 500 acres, oh. all around a hilltop overlooking what was slowly becoming a proper town. For the first few years, Crawley, his wife Elizabeth, and their many children lived in a slab hut running a barely successful farm. Those few, first few years were hard, and the Crawley family struggled financially. But eventually, the Crawleys were able to afford to build a small brick house on the property. And then, supposedly tipped off that the Great Southern Railway would be coming through by 1878, Crawley now put all of his money again into purchasing a license to build a hotel opposite the railway line. 
When it was finished, it was the only hotel of note in this large area, and business was very good. And Christopher and Elizabeth became wealthy. Crawley would be named one of Junie's founders, and after he passed in 1910, he would be remembered as a rich and generous man beloved by an entire community. From the money he made with his hotel, Crawley constructed the now infamous Monte Cristo homestead. Their former home became the servants' quarters, and they moved into their new grand manor on the hill. It seemed like the now wealthy family of eight, Christopher and Elizabeth, would have uh, half a dozen children together, had the perfect life. Behind closed doors, however, things not so idealistic. Time now for the tale of the ghosts of Monte Cristo. Crawley is rumored to have gotten much too close with a few of his employees, and his womanizing ways pushed his wife Elizabeth to the edge of sanity. Though she is said to have loved her husband deeply, she gained a reputation for being cruel towards the staff, taking her anger out on those he cheated on her with instead of out on him. Christopher Crawley was allegedly regularly having affairs with the maids behind his wife's back, and two of those affairs supposedly resulted in pregnancies. The first maid to become pregnant reportedly jumped off a balcony, and both she and her unborn baby died from the fall. And that woman's ghost is said to have haunted the homestead ever since. Future homeowners and visitors alike have reported hearing the sounds of heels walking up and down the veranda. Many people don't believe that the maid jumped of her own free will. The current owner of the house said, Back in that time, it wasn't uncommon for young maids to fall pregnant to the owner. There was a maid that committed suicide. That's what the report said. But the word in town was that she was pushed from the balcony to cause a miscarriage. But they called it suicide. There's still a big white mark on the front step where they used bleach to remove her blood. Some say that another employee of the hotel on her deathbed allegedly confessed to witnessing Mr. Crawley pushing this maid. The second maid to fall pregnant gave birth to a son whom she named Harold. And as this story goes, young Harold was hit by a coach and sustained head trauma that damaged his brain and disabled him for life. Not knowing what to do with someone of his needs at that time, it's said that he was literally chained up most of the time in the coach room of the hotel. And when he was allowed to roam free, he was harassed. Local children thought he was a monster. It would make a game of tormenting him. Oh, my God. According to some accounts, Harold was eventually transferred to an asylum where authorities found him now in his 30s, chained to his bed and in very poor condition. Harold passed away in the asylum, but his spirit allegedly traveled back to haunt the homestead. And still today, the sound of his rattling chains is often heard throughout the property and in the old coach house. The old coach house may also be haunted by the ghost of a young man, a boy really, named Morris. Morris, once a young staff member, fell ill one day and couldn't work. As the story goes, thinking he was being lazy, Morris's boss threw a match at the bottom of his straw mattress in order to get him out of bed. Morris was not being lazy. He was not faking his illness. He was actually very, very sick. Too sick to get out of bed, even when his bed became engulfed in flames. No one was able to put out the fire in time and young Morris was burned alive. And ever since, sometimes residents and guests will smell smoke and burning flesh in his old room, and sometimes hear the disembodied screams of a man being burned to death. Christopher Crawley died in his bedroom in the Monte Cristo homestead on December 14, 1910, when he was 69. His cause of death was listed as heart failure and blood poisoning, the result of a cluster of boils on his neck that had gotten infected from rubbing against his starched collars. Very specific details, and I have to say, pretty gross. Uh, Elizabeth Crawley, still in love with Christopher, was devastated by her husband's death. Following his passing, she is said to have locked herself in the house, only leaving the Monte Cristo three times before she too passed over two decades later. I get it. 
She supposedly spent most of her remaining years alone in the attic where she'd built a small chapel. She lived that way until she passed on August 12, 1933, after her appendix ruptured. She was 92 when she died. Before she died, she witnessed another tragic death of a family member. 16 years before her passing in 1917, Crawley's infant grandchild, Ethel, died after a nursemaid dropped her down the stairs. The nurse was hysterical after dropping the child and also adamant it was not an accident. She blamed one of the house's ghosts, thinking she had been pushed from behind by an unseen force. Ever since the infant's death, children who visit the homestead are said to often become inexplicably upset on these particular, on these particular stairs and frequently claim to feel sick as well. Some children have reported that they feel an icy cold hand slip into their own as they walk up the stairs. The last member of the Crawley family left the homestead in 1948. The house was then somewhat maintained by several caretakers for the next 15 years as it fell into a state of disrepair. It wouldn't have any more full-time residents until 1963. One such caretaker, Jack Simpson, was shot to death on the porch in 1961. His assailant watched Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho watched that movie three times in a row before committing the crime. And either shortly before or after killing the caretaker, Jack's murderer allegedly carved Die Jack, ha ha, into the shed door where the words remain today. What the fuck? In 1963, the property was purchased by a married couple named Reginald and Olive Ryan. Reg wanted to buy the homestead because he thought he had a dream about it as a child. One article describes the state of the homestead at the time that they moved in as barely more than a roof teetering on four walls every window blown out, no electricity, and whole walls missing. The Ryans purchased the house from the youngest living Crawley child, Alphonse Crawley, for a thousand pounds. Whatever original furniture hadn't rotted or been too badly vandalized was auctioned off, and the Ryans used that money, plus some additional savings, to restore the place to its original glory, or as close as they could get it. They eventually turned the manor into a family home and museum, including a doll room and an antique store. But it would become known mostly for being a haunted house. When the Ryans first arrived at the homestead with their belongings, ready to move in, their cat and dog both refused to enter the house, and both ran away. They very quickly realized something strange was going on at the property. Mrs. Crawley was rumored to have hated animals, and this seems true for her spirit as well. The Ryans arrived home one night to find all their chickens strangled to death in their poultry run. Their pet parrot also strangled in his cage. And then much more disturbing, Olive found the family cat, quote, skinned and disemboweled with its eyes gouged out. Stop! Someone suggested that a wild animal did that, but all the doors were locked and the windows shut, and the cat was found inside the house. Another evening, Olive, Olive and Reg returned to the house after being gone for several hours. They hadn't turned on the electricity yet, but still the interior of the house was fully lit. And then all the lights simultaneously snapped off when Olive and Reg unlocked the door. Olive would eventually come to believe that Christopher and Elizabeth Crawley are the main source of the haunting. She's reportedly felt a hand on her shoulder and heard someone calling her name when she's home alone on multiple occasions. She said it's nothing to hear footsteps on the balcony, and you go out and there's no one there. Christopher would claim to hear unexplainable noises as well as disembodied female voices in different locations around the house for years. Christopher and Olive would not be the only people to experience the paranormal after buying and renovating the Monte Cristo. Soon, the Ryan's children and museum visitors began to have their own paranormal experiences, many with what they think is the ghost of Elizabeth Crawley, Elizabeth's spirit not said to be kind. It's reported that if she doesn't like someone, she will immediately let them know by way of a severe temperature drop, ghostly whispering, and or an intense feeling of dread. 
Some guests have also heard a female voice whisper, get out, typically in the dining room. Many guests who visit the museum and antique store report strange occurrences, such as sudden waves of nausea, hitting them disembodied voices and whispers, orbs seen floating around the rooms, unexplained mists, and even poltergeist activity. A few have also claimed to smell rotting flesh in Mrs. Crawley's bedroom, where she passed away. The Ryan's daughter said she saw spectral faces in the bedroom mirror, or bedroom window, and believes one of them to have been Elizabeth, another perhaps her husband Christopher. Nolene Layton, one of the Ryan's daughters, told members of Ghost Hunters International, a series that ran on the Sci-Fi Channel from 2008 to 2012, When I was nine years old, I shared a bedroom with my older sister. We saw a face in our bedroom window, which was the face of a man, early to mid-twenties, long hair and a beard. We'd get a fright and scream out for our dad, and he would come in, and there would be no one there. The Ryan's son, Lawrence, also grew up in the house, and it said he constantly felt like someone was watching him whenever he was uh, home. Growing up, Lawrence would experience all sorts of things that have left him somewhat afraid of the dark to this day. In a 2019 interview, he said that one night his parents were hosting a party in the ballroom. He was sent to bed early, and his sisters were asked to check on him throughout the night. Lawrence said, One by one, my sisters came to check on their little brother as the night started progressing. At one point, my youngest sister was about to check on me. She wasn't happy about it, but she walked up to my room. After walking up the staircase, she was stopped dead in her tracks in the doorway to the bedroom. She saw me with an old man on the edge of my bed, looking down on me while I slept. The old man then looked up at her and vanished into thin air. Lawrence's sister screamed loud enough after seeing all that that the adults at the party came running. They searched the property for that man, worried that he was real, but couldn't find him. Lawrence and his sisters continued seeing mysterious figures like that throughout their childhoods. After looking at some old photos of the previous owners, Lawrence realized that the man he saw on his bed and the woman he often saw looking out of the windows were Mr. and Mrs. Crawley. Despite growing up somewhat afraid of the family home, Lawrence now lives there as an adult. He and his wife, Sophia, moved into the house to live with Lawrence's parents when the couple were down on their luck financially. For Sophia, the experience was both life-changing and terrifying. Almost immediately after moving in, she began to experience severe headaches and strange visions and had dreams about the life of one of the maids who once resided in the homestead. Sophia came to the conclusion that she was that maid in a past life. Reg passed away in 2014, and now Lawrence and Sophia run the homestead. Visitors can come take a tour from 10 to 4 on Saturdays and Sundays, no reservation required. The homestead also offers private ghost tours for paranormal seekers. In 2019, Lawrence Ryan spoke with Penny Burfitt for Yahoo Lifestyle and shared more thoughts about the paranormal nature of the Monte Cristo homestead. Lawrence offered an explanation for why he thinks the place is so haunted. He said, It's not that we have more ghosts or more spirits. It's that we have more activity. Lawrence reports experiencing near-constant spiritual activity to this day. Or spirit activity, I guess. He said, You hear your name called out, but nobody is there. Sometimes you smell smoke and there's no fire lit. Sometimes it smells like death. When we first moved in, you'd hear footsteps on the balcony, but there wasn't actually any timber in the balcony at that stage. Lawrence said in another interview with Escape, a travel website, that some ghost hunters flee in the middle of the night or go outside to sleep in their cars. Some overnight guests report pressure on their chests or feeling someone play with their feet while laying in bed. If you come into this house and you are disrespectful to the spirits, you won't last to the end of the tour. You'll feel that sick. And I've seen some serious reactions in people. It's something you never forget. I've seen the fear of God in people's eyes. I've seen that about four times. It's a genuine expression you could never fake. You wouldn't wish it on your worst enemy. 
Lawrence believes that the reason people have these experiences is because Mrs. Crawley is possessive of her house and doesn't want anyone else living there. With so many paranormal stories spanning decades, it seems like the Monte Cristo homestead may truly be a haunted house. Lawrence Ryan encourages anyone who is interested to come visit, form their own opinion on whether or not his family home is haunted. Hey, yeah, yeah. I I mean, listen, I'll go on a tour with you. Yeah, yeah, if we could get over there to... In broad daylight. Junie? Yeah. Yeah. Someday, maybe. Maybe. I don't want to spend the night there. It'd be so so fun to... I've never even... You know, obviously, neither one of us have been to Australia. Mm -hmm. But I have, like, fantasies about, like, not just going, but, like, being able to stay a little while. Yeah. Tour parts of the country. Sounds so cool. That's cool. Let's go. Let's just do it. I think I I have an opening, like, I don't know, next week, maybe? (laughs) I may have an opening in 2029. Oh my God. No, we're going to do it sooner than that. <laughs> uh, do you want to see some pictures? Um, okay. Okay. First, just because I think the town is gorgeous. Oh yeah. Let's let's see Junie. It might not hit everybody. This is downtown Junie. Oh, it's so cute. It's very well just, you know, maintained, kept everything like the landscaping. And there's a lot of civic pride based on the video I saw. That photo looks like it's from 1950s. I know, but it's recent. And it, that's why I think it's charming. Yeah, yeah. Here's another picture of downtown Junie. Like again, very cute. Junie. Palm trees. I think that's their little market, the yep, IGA. Yeah, grocery store. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And then this next one is the old chocolate and licorice factory. Oh, yeah. Here's your best friend's place. Uh-huh. Okay. As a, and that's weird how the building is like half brick and half not. Could you yeah, see that? Yeah, uh-huh. Were they like modernized part of it and stuff? Uh, you know, I'm sure it's it was like, like, it's like, like they disrepair. smashed two together. I think, I'm not positive, but I think it was an old flour mill. That would be like the right sh- like build. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With all those. Yeah. And then this next one, the Monte Cristo homestead. Oh, that is Gorgeous. Yep, up on a hill. That could be in New Orleans. Totally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That huge, what, veranda, balcony? Uh, I th- the wraparound balcony? Uh, yeah, you're right, veranda. Yeah, oh. a veranda is okay. a wraparound porch. Oh, okay. They are one and the same. Cool. Usually, like, when you're saying veranda, yeah. uh, like, if you're just, that invokes a vision more of, like, a um, like a colonial-style house or, like, a Victorian-style mm. house, like a big, tall, wooden house. Yeah. When you, like, think of, like, a brick like when you say balcony, this is more of what I think of. Just like me personally. Oh, okay. Okay. Because then when I think balcony and then I see this, I think like, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Veranda, I imagine like wooden rocking chairs, like a wooden mm. porch and a farm. Anyways. This last one is uh, just that haunted staircase where the kids like, oh, you know, yeah. get sick and where the babies, you know, supposedly died on the staircase. Oh my God. So tragic. Yeah. So Eek. tragic. I think you threw one of your kids down a set of stairs, didn't you? <laughs> Uh, no, uh, but Kyler did crawl down the stairs. I, I still think- You, you say crawl. so lucky. No, he got, he crawled. It I was- to fix my pants. I'm going to stand I up for like, a second. I feel like I've talked about this here before, but if I haven't, um, it was his first birthday party and it was just this thing where it's like, I was usually the one who would watch it. Like when I was on the road, I was just always, you know, with Kyler when he was, same thing with Monroe. When, when you were was, on the road? When I wasn't, when I wasn't on the road, when I was home, yeah. you know, cause I was just doing stand up, just getting into it. I didn't have anything to do. And I, so I was like, you know, full time- caretaker with the kids when I was home. Yeah. And uh, and so I was used to watching him, but then on the birthday party, there were so many grandparents. And so he was getting handed from person to person. He was crawling at that point, you uh-huh. know, pretty well, pretty fast. And in all the shuffling of everybody and also trying to like gather things for the birthday party, cake, whatever, uh-huh. lost track of him for a little bit. And you and I always had when it was just me and him at the house had the gate up. Yeah. But because of the birthday party, people could go to the bathroom and stuff, didn't have yeah. the gates up. Look over and he was always like, Never wanted to like be close to the parents. He always wanted to like scoot out and do his own thing. He's still so independent. Uh huh. And so I just look over and he is just crawling like a bat out of hell so fast oh God. towards this. It was like the split level rancher. So it'd be a staircase going down half a floor. Uh huh. 
Luckily, it was carpeted, but he's heading for that staircase. And I was like, no, 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 no. And tried to run after him. Didn't get there in time. And it, w- it was, since he was okay, it was funny to think about later, where it's like he tried to crawl. It's like in his baby brain, there was a plane yeah. going straight out from the floor where he could just keep crawling at that like hor- same kind of angle. Yeah, he didn't have to. Yeah, so it was like a cartoon where he just like thought he would just keep going straight instead of trying to like s- slow down and reach down for the next step. And then I so I just see him crawl, 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 and then whoop! All of a sudden, his feet go up over his butt, and he just like flipped down the stairs. I was fucking panicking because I was like, "Oh my god, he could break his neck." Yeah, of course. Yep. Could die. So I run over there. By the time I'm still running, by the time I get to the edge, he's laying at the base of the stairs on the carpet on his back, looking up with a smile on his face, like, <laughs> "Whoa, that was quite a ride." <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, not hurt at all. Oh. Literally not hurt even a little bit from that fall. Poor Bob. But yeah, you think, I mean, gosh, as a parent, like. Oh, yeah, that panic that sets oh, in when yes. you're just like, I think this may be the bad one. <laughs> right. And can you imagine if somebody, like, you're living in this big house and then you have what, maid or whatever, and they drop your kid? Yep. I mean. Did you ever drop either of the kids? No, never drop them. But, um, but yeah, Kyler had that fall <laughs> and he had, and he had one other fall where he fell off the bed. Uh, and he was again, he was again fine. Oh, man. But that was it. Monroe, I don't think, had any falls like that. Mm, I had a a tragic fall off the bed. You did? Yep. Mm-hmm. My mom is, okay, my family is cruel. Like, once everything's okay, the, like, the cruel jokes. Sure. So, like, for forever, it was like, oh, that's what was wrong with Lindsay. It's because she fell off the bed. So, my mom had been, like, changing my diaper on a bed. Yeah. And, you know, like, all parents got distracted for one split second, looked away, and I rolled off the bed. Yep. And I fractured my skull. Oh, man. And then my head. Oh, yeah, you told me this. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And my family is so fucking mean that my mom said, she's like, man, afterwards, your head swelled up so bad. You were so ugly. I wish I would have taken pictures. Oh, my God. (laughs) Because my family says terrible things. But my mom said it was, like, horrible. And I think that there was something, like, I had like recently hurt myself doing something else yeah. and it was just like two things back to back and they started to get the like Oof. CPS scares. They were like, oh boy, yeah. yeah. any second now they're going to show up here. But yeah, she said my head like like really swelled up and got like a, like an ugly gray bruise. Oof. I looked alien-esque. Ed and Joan just letting you just run around like wherever. Second kid. Yeah. It's like, whatever. Who cares Checked about out. this one? She's fine. My mom was, <laughs> as you can imagine. I'm sure she was an emotional wreck. Emotional train wreck and then knowing that my mom is so sensitive many many moons later when yeah. my cousin tony had his first child yeah he thought it would be really funny to play this practical joke on my mom at like christmas one year when you would walk in our back door it was a, a rancher on a basement so you yeah. walk in the back door there's like a half bath to your left and then um, you or immediately downstairs yeah. to the basement or immediately to the right into the kitchen well his then girlfriend, wife, whatever was holding the baby, uh-huh. but he walked in with like the the baby carrier and had a blanket over it so that like it looked like he was carrying yep. and he yep. walked in I the house and he, he pretended to stumble and then he <laughs> threw the baby carriage down the steps. I was like, ah! did this big scream and my mom, I mean, instantly like tears. She's like, oh my God, oh my God and immediately thinks it's like her fault because it's her house and the shoes. Meanwhile, yeah. like, like Andrea's got a little like Tony Jr. on her hip. My mom was so pissed. She was laughing about 10 yeah. minutes later, but for about five minutes, he was on the like I, death I can picture list. Tony so mad. laughing so hard. He has a like, big laugh. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh man, he was, I'm sure he was proud of himself. Oh yeah. Uh, but Junie, that that was a great story. I like that because I like the the history thing. Yeah. Um, what did I, oh, I was making fun of you over here. I was like, Dan has so many weird fantasies with so many details. 
Because oh, you were talking yeah. about living in Junie and your best friend. Uh, yeah, I just also thought that like if I die first, you should also lock yourself in a house for a long, 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 long time and only come out three times until you die. Do you have different plans on that? <laughs> I don't have any plans. I have a lot of plans when you die. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Like, listen, I'm going to start uh, spending all your money right away. Okay. And then... I mean, I don't care. I'm dead. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> oh, I think I gave you a purple Layla this week. You did. I, I I didn't see her. I did grab a yellow one. I'll do both. Lakers. Oh, yeah. Lakers. Purple gold. It's pretty sad, though, because they did lose. Yeah, but they... But they for, for the team they had, they played really well. They did what they could. They did what they could. Denver Nuggets, no joke. No joke, bro. Yeah, Josic... Jo- jo- Joke the Joker, uh huh. Jokic, Jokic, I think. I'm not gonna try. Yeah, uh, Serbian fucking monster. Yeah, a good one. Yeah, good monster. He is um, just phenomenally talented. Yeah, and actually, they have a, a, a lot of other role players. Jamal Murray. Oh man. Right just, here we go, Dan, with his weird okay. stats. Do you want to tell us any weird stats? He got the most triple doubles that anybody's ever had in the uh, NBA postseason. I, actually, I did know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, more than anyone ever, ever in the history of the NBA, which is fairly long now. That's a Kentucky boy, if I'm. Right, Jamal Murray. Uh, yeah, I don't. You know what? I, I'm I'm bad with college basketball, but that sounds right. Yeah, yeah. Sure. yeah. He was he had a great series in the finals. Great shooter. Okay. Great good. playmaker. Okay. Are we done talking basketball? <laughs> sure. Are you ready to talk scary stuff? Uh, yeah. Yeah, is it all out of your head? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you feel focused, ready? Huh? Okay, great. All right. So four short tales this week, just to do something a little bit different. Uh, this first one is called the man on the phone. A few years ago, I was working as a plumbing apprentice for about six months, mostly residential calls. You know, replacing water heaters, fixing leaks, unclogging drains, and so on. One day, we got a call about a leaky showerhead. We, the plumbers, never actually talked to the customers until we would arrive at their houses. Before that, all communication was done between the customer and the dispatchers. The dispatchers would then send us the address, the customer's name, and a very brief description of the problem via iPad. On our way to this particular call, one of the dispatchers called my partner. The customer was on the line, but the dispatcher couldn't make out what they were saying. It was a man's voice, that of a very old man. He kept trying to give the dispatcher a sequence of numbers. Assuming the old man was probably trying to give his credit card information over the phone, the dispatcher explained to him that he doesn't need to pay until after the work is completed and that we, the plumbers, would collect the payment. Other than the numbers, everything else he said was unintelligible. We, uh, we go ahead to the house, we park, verify the address, and approach the door. I knock, and an older lady in her 70s answers the door. She looks at me with one of those confused, what the hell are you doing here looks. I introduce myself. Good evening, ma'am. I'm with Generic Plumbing Company. She continues to look at me with confusion and says she didn't call for a plumber. And at this point, my partner pulls up the address on the iPad and asks this lady, is is this you? 123 Main Street or whatever. As my partner is doing so, I look at the mailbox to confirm. The older lady also confirms that we're at the right address. My partner then asks the lady if her name is so-and-so. She confirms that's her name. And at this point, everyone's confused. So my partner says, well, we got a call that you had a leaky showerhead. And just before we got here, your husband called and tried to tell my dispatcher something, but we couldn't understand what he was saying. The lady dead-assed looked us straight in the eyes and said, Well, nothing's wrong with my shower. I just used it a few minutes ago. And my husband couldn't have called you. He's been dead for years. Mm -hmm. Immediately, chills went up and down my spine. I actually reflexively took a few steps back and looked over my shoulder. 
My partner talked to the lady for a few more minutes and never figured out what the deal was, so we just left. I don't believe in ghosts. I'm a skeptical guy, so maybe it was just someone pulling a prank on the old lady. Maybe it was a prank being pulled on us. But if so, no one ever mentioned anything. To this day, it still gives me the creeps. Uh, that story reminds me so much of on the the bonus episode for uh-huh. this month. I had those law enforcement, all the smattering of little stories. Mm-hmm. And there was that one where uh, the landline called. Oh, yeah. The the landline. And, and then when they got there, like... Uh, the number didn't work. There was no number. There was no landline, right? Yeah, they had no landline. But if the but if the call hadn't have come in to tell people to go to this address, and the the person would have died. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was like a heart attack or something. Yeah, those, some of those some of those things remind me of like a uh, glitches in the matrix. Like it makes me think about that, where it's mm-hmm. like you know, there's some parallel universe where the husband is still alive, or I don't know. It's, it's just like it's so such a strange thing. Well, that kind of makes me think like he. I don't know, like the husband, okay, when I got to the end, I thought like, okay, a sequence of numbers, is he like trying to tell her something? Mm-hmm. Was it, did he want the plumbers for whatever reason to be the the bearers of a message? Like, this is the code to unlock my phone. This is the code to the safe. This uh, is like something that yeah. she had been trying to figure out and just, you know, it's like, just right. like in our household, uh, I manage more of the finances and like paying the yeah. bills yeah, and yeah, like yeah. I have all the passwords. Now you have access to that document, but like, how many times have I like, you know, taken care of something and then had to create an account for something and a password and then you die and it's like, shit, what was it? She didn't put that one thing here. So that's what I was thinking, that he was trying to give her some piece of information that was pertinent to something left unfinished. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? Gave me some sort of comfort. Mm Mm-hmm. All right. Those phone ones, there's been a a number of those stories over the years involving like phantom phone calls. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are particularly odd to me. It's like, where the hell is that call coming from? Yeah. But I guess, but I guess you know, like... Like, what makes a phone ring? Because that that's like mm. the weird... It, there's a... How do you make a phone ring? Well, you pick up a phone, another phone, and you dial a number. Well, there is this connection with electricity that, that comes up a lot in the, yeah. in the in the paranormal, you know, with uh, ghosts. Where, mm-hmm. like, they need electricity, you know, to somehow power up themselves to be able to communicate with people in this realm. Yeah. So I guess if you're... If, if like, that... I don't know. There's something there with the phone. Um, land, I don't, I don't know enough about how phones work. Like landlines, do they even use electricity? I feel like Logan would well, know they, that. they go through phone lines, which is like, like cell a, phones. But, but I, like, think I think when you plug them into the wall, like the actual outlet, I think that is what powers it. But I could be wrong. That's where you get know. the electricity. We definitely had, we had a landline a growing in, up and then we had one of the, like the, even the but rotator it's wired. ones. Yeah, like, yeah, but it's like wired. It's like you, okay, like the, yeah. in my house growing up before my mom remodeled our kitchen, we had, you know, yeah, a phone picture, on a cord, right, with the, the rotary. And on the back of it, it's yeah. like, you know, and it has to be wired into the electrical wires of the house. It's wired into something. It's wired into the telephone wires, but it's not going into like a three prong plug. No, it's I'm this, not saying it's that. It's this separate little thing, but I don't know. I don't know if it's I, wired. I to think the that at like the back of a, okay, you know how like as we, it has to be. Well, yeah, because the phones, okay, think about phones with um, answering machines. Right. They're plugged but, in. But they would also require batteries. I don't know. <sighs> I don't okay, know. some electrician. There's got to be an electrical component. I don't need 100 emails about it. I need like <laughs> three or four. I, I love that as if people could know, like, well, I, I think somebody else already sent an email. I, I know. <laughs> but it, some people would be like, well, we'll let somebody else do it. Hmm. Okay. 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 All right. Or 100, send me 100 emails. I don't care. I reply to all of them. All right. Are you ready for a story about the dark corner? Yes. Okay. 
Hey, y'all. My family is from the West Indies and the Caribbean. Cool. And I grew up hearing stories about supernatural experiences all of the time. Everyone from my family and beyond has had a run-in with something spiritual, good or bad. There's a unique blend of Christianity and obia. I can't, it's so hard for me to say that. Ob, yeah, that serves to fight and protect against evil. While I was always interested in spooky stories, I didn't personally take it seriously. As a teen in the U.S., I did my best to avoid any spiritual habits. They sometimes made me stand out from my American friends. It wasn't until an experience in college that changed my mind. I'm just remembering what story this is, yeah. and I love this. At the beginning of my sophomore year, I moved into a luxury studio with another senior student. Luxury meant we had a small foyer that led into a larger-than-average bedroom, which led into a separate kitchen and, of course, a bathroom. My roommate and I didn't have much in common or run in the same circles. The university was pretty big, so it wasn't uncommon. The times I did try to interact, I couldn't get much out of her. She was an artist and made really cool, beautiful pieces, so I'd try to engage with her around that, but no dice. And that was absolutely fine with me. As the semester went on, I noticed her paintings were getting darker, literally mm. darker. She started to paint her canvases black with weird drawings in red and orange of people. She was also pumping them out with more frequency. I once watched her from the kitchen as she scribbled and colored furiously with charcoal, page after page after page. Her stuff started giving me the creeps. Over time, her, her paintings became so bizarre and the creepiness factor skyrocketed. I started spending less and less time in the apartment as a result. One night, I came home and saw that the apartment light was off. There was a huge slip between the floor, so it was easy to stand outside and see the bedroom light. I rejoiced quietly to myself because that meant she wasn't home and I would have the place to myself. I opened the door to a pitch black apartment. I didn't think anything of it because I assumed she wasn't home. However, when I turned on the light, I yelped and jumped out of my skin. My roommate was home. She was sitting on her bed, backed into a corner of the room. Her knees were at her chest, and she was rocking back and forth as she looked at me frightened. I think I may have asked her if she was okay, but she just looked at me blanking, blankly, continuing to rock. As time went on, she made more and more of those creepy, scary paintings, sometimes muttering to herself while she did it. I didn't know what she was saying, but I spent even less time in that apartment because I was flat out scared. My 18-year-old self had no idea what to do. One night in the apartment, I had a dream that quickly turned into a terrifying nightmare. It started off well enough. I was hosting a party in the apartment. My friends were there and we were all having fun. It was a good time. But then I noticed that there was something wrong with the room. A corner in the apartment was really dark. There was a blackness that seemed to be growing out of the corner. Looking at it made me afraid. I actually could feel myself shiver in real life as I was dreaming. During the party, I tried my best to avoid that corner. Even, uh, even avoid looking at it. Someone asked me to get something from my kitchen, and on my way there, I tried scooting around the edge of the darkness. Suddenly, hands reached out, Ugh. completely black hands. They grabbed me and my legs and started dragging me into the dark corner. I was shivering in real life, but screaming in my dreams. I tried to grasp at anything, but there was nothing. There was only blackness, and it started to creep up my body. None of my friends at the party even realized what was happening to me. I was convinced that I was going to be dragged into a scary pit and never be able to escape. Halfway into the darkness, one of my friends came out of nowhere with a baseball bat. He was the only one who saw what was happening. He fought back, pulling me out of the grasp of the darkness. The nightmare ended once he saved me because I jolted up to a sitting position in my bed, feeling like I had broken free from something. 
When I woke up, the room was dimly lit from my roommate's bedside light. I looked over at her, and she was sitting on her bed, backed into that corner. It was the same corner where the blackness seeped from my nightmare. The same corner I had found her rocking back and forth in a few days prior. She stared at me with a really, really unsettling gaze. She didn't look as frantic or chaotic as she looked for the past few weeks. In fact, she seemed eerily calm for someone whose roommate just woke up with a fright. I vaguely remember her asking me something, but I remember the fucking smirk on her face and it made me shiver. I covered up with a blanket and stayed awake until dawn. The next day, I told my mom and she made me call my grandmother immediately. They deduced that for whatever reason, I was being targeted by something meant to do me harm. Growing up, my mom made me rub rub Florida water on the soles of my feet every morning before I left the house. Florida water is supposed to have spiritual cleansing and protection qualities. I went to college with several bottles and lied to them about using it. Up until that point, each bottle remained sealed. My grandma gave me a list of scriptures to read while I sprinkled Florida water around the apartment. I did it that day while my roommate was out. I didn't get close to her side of the room, but I did mine, the kitchen, and the bathroom. When my roommate got back later that night, she looked around and asked me if I had done something to the place. Of course, I said no. She looked confused and walked around the apartment as if she was seeking something. I had had the windows open, so any smell was gone by then. After that, we never spoke to each other again. Towards the end of the semester, I came home and found our apartment door wide open. There was trash all over the floor. My first thought was, we've been robbed. But looking closer, I saw that my roommate's side was completely empty. She had moved out and threw trash all over the apartment, including my bed. I cleaned up and I sprinkled the shit out of that apartment with Florida water. (laughs) What is Florida water? It's, I have some somewhere. It's a... It is like uh, I think it's on my desk. Mm. Um, it's a, a like part of like that Caribbean culture, part of like yeah. uh, what is that? Is that hoodoo? There's or, so many, or, there, there's different ones. That, uh, what did she say? Um, obia, yeah. but like part of like their culture. So I I would make it akin to like a Catholic's um, like holy, holy water. water. Oh, yeah. Okay. So okay. they would like in in her culture in her upbringing they rubbed it yeah. on her feet for protection. You can put uh, it like uh, you can put it above doorways, kind of like salting water. doorways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it. Got Similar it. idea. Yeah, yeah. But how? With, yeah. with Kyler getting ready to go to college, I know. I was just thinking about if he called us and was like, something's up with my roommate. I know. I just kept thinking back and forth between like that mentally ill, paranormal, like, um, yep. you know, having a, a some kind of falling into some sort of episode, Yeah, you know, like bipolar, schizophrenic or demonic attachment, you know, something. But yeah. the, the, the dark paintings, that's like something out of a horror movie. I know. Where, because uh, I've seen that so many times and it always creeps me out where usually like it's a little kid uh-huh. and, and they're like, what's been going on? What, what's that drawing of? And it's like some monster over and over and over. Yellow jackets. Yes. Their little boy. Uh, yeah, 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 uh-huh. yeah, exactly. Oof, yeah, creeps me out. I think uh, Yellow Jackets owes us some money. I've gotten so many emails from people like, okay, you guys wouldn't shut up about it. I watched it. Oh my God. Yeah. So I feel like <laughs> we've increased their ratings. <laughs> um, oof. But yeah, the, just the, the charcoal paintings and just kicking them out faster and faster, darker and darker. I could just picture that so clearly in my head. Super creepy. Yeah, that like frantic need to get it out, like something is possessing you to do it. I don't miss roommates. Oh. Uh. You you still have a roommate? Well, I think you've I don't got miss a roommate. I'm not related to. You've got uh, three: Kyler, Monroe, Lulu, huh? Penny, Gigi. You have five roommates. <laughs> You're a busy guy. I own two of them. Don't Penny, talk. Don't talk about Penny our kids like that. Oh, mm-hmm. so they're the best kind of roommates. 
Because you can boss them around? Yeah, I can control them. Kind of. I say that. <laughs> but actually, I just give in to them and they feels like they control me. Yeah, they whop you in the face at six in the morning. Dad, feed me. Mm-hmm. You notice they don't do that to me. I know. They don't. Yeah, because I'm me firm. Up. They wake me up every morning. Yep, they just lay there. They they crawl on my side of the bed. I'll wake up. Like if I slightly stir, yep. I got two furry faces, one by my midsection, only because they won't. They would like to be on top of one another. <laughs> but one is always by my face. One's always very close. And now they just... Uh, for a while there, it worked where I'd be like, no, not not time yet. Not yet. And they would just kind of like chill out. But now when I say that, they don't whop me, but they just go. Mm-hmm. Just make this little whine over and over You're again. pathetic. Just don't give in to them. <sighs> I'm stronger than you in that regard. You are. Yeah. Yeah. I'm weak with the dogs. I had no idea you'd be such a wimp with our dogs. I know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you do. Such is life. Ready to talk doppelgangers? Yes. All right. Let's do it. Hey guys, your Let Them Sleep episode made me think of this occurrence that happened to me and my family a few years ago. One night, I was sitting in my living room looking at my phone while my son, who was at the time about one and a half, was playing on the floor next to me. My boyfriend was in the bathroom taking a shower. The bathroom door was visible from the living room couch through the hallway. The hallway light was off, so it was dark. The door to the left next to the bathroom was our bedroom. Without looking up from my phone, I heard the bathroom door open. For my peripheral vision, I could see light shining into the hallway, and I saw my boyfriend walk out. My son turned around and said, Dada! And I heard the bathroom door shut. Then our bedroom door opened and shut behind him. Of course, I didn't think anything of this. About 10 minutes later, I started wondering why he hadn't come back out of the bedroom yet, and I went to see if what he was doing. As I walked into the hallway, I could hear the shower running. I instantly got a very uncomfortable feeling. I looked down at the cracks under the doors and noticed the light was on in the bathroom, but off in our bedroom. I opened the bathroom door and said, Hey, did you just go into our bedroom a minute ago? What? No, I've been taking a shower, he said. Chills went through me as I said, Okay, and I shut the door. I walked into the bedroom just to see, but there was nothing there. This figure that I saw through my peripherals looked just like him, and even my son had seen him. Whatever this was, it was pretending to be him. I hadn't thought about this in a while until I listened to your show, and the part about the little girl's doppelganger and that old house just gave me the creeps. That is so creepy. It's especially creepy with a little toddler where she didn't say anything to her son. Uh Uh-uh. And then he said, Dada, uh-huh. as she saw something in her peripheral vision that like looked like her boyfriend. Uh-huh. And then to confirm with him that he definitely hadn't just been in there. <laughs> that's that's creepier than an older kid, maybe. Well, I guess in that situation, it'd still be creepy no matter what. But especially creepy where it's like, uh, he, he doesn't know to make up right, 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 right. what He's she a- happened to also see. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Yeah. There's yeah. no like colluding with like right. the boyfriend to try and like, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I just want to say that I'm a little bit creeped out because I think that we started this show with all the candles being going. Oh, whoa. Uh, I know that a second ago I noticed this one being out. Uh Uh-huh, now three of them are out. And I knew that those two were still going. Yeah, those two just went out. What is upsetting is that they've recently all had battery changes. Yeah, we did change, especially those ones there with the, like the, uh, like the deeper yellow. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. And also... When we turn them on, those things will stay on for like 12 hours. So. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my God. You're fired. <laughs> Tyler does not give me a heart attack. 
Oh, that's good. It's good. It's good. It's good. <laughs> I, did, I did the crazy like uh, in the movie reaction where your legs shake, where you're like, <laughs> like you convulse. <laughs> how, how does it go? <laughs> 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 that was great. That was awesome. uh, anytime you do that, it like takes me back to Is We Dumb, Brad? Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm I'm awake. That was good. Okay, great. I thought I was sleepy before, but now I'm like extra. Yeah, alert. I know. All right, I've got one more for you. Okay. The first episode of Scared to Death that I listened to was the one that Lindsay was telling the story about the couple in Tacoma whose daughter was trying to get into the walls to see her friends. Oh yeah, that was a long time ago. Long I remember, I remember, time ago. I remember talking to that couple after a show in Tacoma years ago. I know. Too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I cannot explain to you the way my heart pounded. My sister is about three and a half years younger than me. When all of this started, she was about four and I was maybe seven or eight. I was already in elementary school, but my sister only had preschool two days a week and would come home talking a lot about her friends at the babysitter's house. We knew she didn't have any friends at her babysitter's house because she was the only kid who stayed there, but understood that having imaginary friends was a very normal thing. My sister would immediately come home and be in her room talking to her imaginary friends after we came home for the day. If she ever came home in a bad mood, talking to them seemed to help her work through whatever issues a five-year-old goes through at school. My dad said that one day I came home to him crying about how I don't have any friends to talk to when I come home like my sister does. (laughs) Then something changed, and she started referring to them as her shadow friends. Being rather young myself, I don't have too many memories of this. My parents have more, but we speak of it generally and laugh about it now that is in the past. She would say her shadow friends told her bedtime stories, and they would try to keep her up all night to play with them. Our bedrooms shared a wall, and there were times I could hear my sister talking late at night. She would sleepwalk on occasion as well, and my mom would have to put her back in bed if she was awake uh, and tell her to stop talking and to go to sleep. Meanwhile, I'm in the next bedroom over with a blanket over my head, scared to death that something was coming to get my sister. When we planned a family vacation to Disney World, my sister interrupted a discussion with my parents to ask if her shadow friends could come along. And I remember her saying this like it was yesterday. You won't even be able to tell that they are there. They sleep in the walls and they can hold on to the wings of the airplane. Bless my parents for being so chill about it. They told her that she needed to tell her friends that we couldn't afford tickets for them to also go to Disney World. (laughs) The last day I remember my sister talking to her shadow friends was another day that everyone in our family remembers. She was standing on the front porch screaming and crying. We lived in the woods separated by a hill from the closest neighbors. She ran partially into the woods screaming for something to leave her alone, to go away and to never ever come back. She came in and said she had to tell her shadow friends to go away because they were being mean and they weren't acting like friends to her anymore. And then she never talked about them again after that. I never saw anything strange in my parents' house, but I think maybe my sister, having been so young and spending a lot of time by herself, was open to whatever strange forces were out there. I told a shortened version of this story of her shadow friends for some laughs at her wedding this past summer, Mm -hmm. joking about how if my sister's new husband hears knocking in the walls, he shouldn't be alarmed. And I cannot tell you how many people came up to me freaked out sharing their own stories or folklore from their own ancestry afterwards. My sister never hammered a hole in the wall or anything, (laughs) but I sure did have a lot of sleepless nights thinking thinking of my sister's shadow friends. Thanks for the podcast's pee. 
P, thank you. That note at the end about the wedding, about how many people came and shared their stories. Uh huh. That is something I think about a lot with like the paranormal stuff. Yeah. Whereas, you know, like the one part of me, this, the really hardcore skeptic part of me is like, well, you know, none of this stuff has been recreated in a lab, uh-huh. that kind of thing. We can't like scientifically prove any of this yet. But then like the totality of so many stories, not not stories of just like, yeah, I'm open to believing that. Or yeah. not stories of like, yeah, I believe that kind of stuff. But stories of I heard stuff. Uh-huh. I saw things. Me and some other people saw things. Yeah. And man, that that is why um, I know I can't prove it. I know if, if somebody was like, hey, man, I don't believe in that kind of stuff. I wouldn't be upset. I wouldn't be offended. I'm like, sure. yeah, I know. But for me, it's why I believe in this stuff being real. Like yeah. this, that there's, man, just the numbers. The sheer numbers of it. Yeah. And, and like, and like when it comes up at, uh, when, when people find out what we do. Yes. It reminds me of like, you know, we're meeting new people, whatever. And when they hear about the paranormal podcast. They're like, oh. Oh my gosh. Oh, do I have a story for you? It's like almost everybody. Everybody has a story either about themselves or their sibling or a yeah. friend of theirs or, 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 or. It's mm-hmm. like, yeah, everybody has some, Suck. like almost like a um, six degrees of separation kind of connection yep. to it. So, so many stories out there. Sure, 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 sure. So many. I like those. I like, I, you know what? We did that on the um, bonus episode this month too. It was me doing it, the shorter ones. Yeah. I like that rhythm just to break it up where you get like yeah. a bunch of quick little hits. It's fun. Yeah. Well, yeah. And like for fans listening, sometimes they don't have, you know, 90 minutes to listen to the whole episode. So it's a little bit easier sometimes too to like oh, yeah. listen to your half of the show, pick it up later. Like mm-hmm. if they have to pause in my part, you don't have to go that far. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So we're trying to, you know, keep it spicy over here. I'm just watching <laughs> these candles. I'm waiting for the rest of them to go out. Yeah, that's so weird. I also had a really weird, I don't know why, sometimes like very vivid uh, like ideas pop into my head that are unasked for, unannounced. But when you were telling your Monte Cristo story, mm-hmm. all of a sudden my brain decided that like at any moment a hand was going to reach through the wall and grab Ugh. me. I don't know why. Some and, and dark, and, intrusive thought. Yeah. Well, and then I just kept going of like, oh my God, how funny would it be if Dan, like if if I worked with Tyler and Logan to figure oh out like some little like trap door thing. And then one of them reaches <sighs> through and touches you in the middle of a story. I think you would literally pee your pants. I think so. Oh, got it. And it would be so great. I, yeah. I, you you would definitely get a reaction. if I, Like the right moment. And all of a sudden the hand comes to the wall. It just grabs my head. I just like would... imagine like there being like a soft spot in the wall. Like like Logan and Tyler have like cut out this spot. Uh-huh. They've replaced it with like some sort of soft thing that they're able to paint over. So it looks exactly the same. Unbeknownst to you, if you touched it, your elbow would go through it. But no, you don't know. And you're in the middle of a story and then it just reaches out and it just... I think I would squeal and hit like a note, like an octave higher than probably any sound I've ever made before. (laughs) (laughs) Just a super high-pitched craziness. It would be so great. Yikes. So, you know, Tyler, Logan, you've got your work cut out for you. That's your homework. (laughs) Uh, (sighs) Do you want to do the Annabelle uh, shout-outs first or me? Sure, I can go first. Okay. Uh, Thanks to our Annabelles who make uh, this month and every month's donations possible in conjunction with our uh, other patrons over at Time Suck, Colby Cook, Justin Vincent, Stephanie Ark, no, Stephanie Aker. I am Laos, Lois, L-A-O-I-S-E, Lois. I-S-E, Lois, uh, yeah, maybe Lois. If you're, if you're from Laos. Laos, Laotian. Yeah, okay, so it wouldn't be this. I was trying, I was really trying to piece it together. Ashley Epperson, Audrey Patchett, Terry Barber, Viviana Sons, Sarah Warren, Tucker Griggs and Joker Wolf. Joker Wolf. Dun dun dun. Joker Wolf sounds like a good indie rock band. Yeah. 
Oh, did you, you see Joker Wolf uh, just played the Knit Factory? Sounds like it sounds like Yellow Wolf. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wolf Parade. Oh, I don't know that one. Yeah, they're good. Uh, I'd like to thank the following Annabelles as well. <laughs> MC Puppy Pants. <laughs> MC Puppy Pants sounds like somebody you hire for like a nine-year-old's birthday party. Or is it Mick Puppy Pants? Mick. Maybe Mick. I, I'm reading it as MC because okay. there's a space there. Yeah, well. And they're, well, it's, uh, who knows? Who knows? Uh, Desiree Robinson. Aaron Harris. Jamarie Keaton. Jessica McGrath. Annalisa. Annalisa, sorry, Annalisa it's like, reminds you like the Mona Lisa's like little sister. Oh yeah, yeah, Mona, Anna, uh, Briar and Justice, your loyal creepers, Matthew Merold, Tasha Gagoosh. <laughs> Is that a real last name? Gagoosh. 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 Gagish. G a g o u s h. Gagoosh. Gag. If it is a real last name, Tasha, I know that you are beyond um, used to people butchering it. And beyond, like, how was high school for you? <laughs> uh, and then uh, Jordan Fahey. Great. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. I have quite a few spoopy shout outs because mm-hmm. <laughs> I, like, wasn't tracking how many I was. I was like, yeah, no, we can yeah. do it on that week. Oh, yeah, no worries. Then I was like, oh, shit. So bear with me. I have eight of them this week. <laughs> to Furfur. From Teresa, happy 50th birthday, sister. There's no one else I would go on adventures and summer camping with. May we still be crazy together for many more years. To Kate from Krista, happy 60th birthday. To Vance from Katie, happy 59th birthday. I love these top three. I'm like, (laughs) yes, representing that Mm -hmm. like 50 plus market. Thank you. Uh, To Sean from Morgan, happy one year anniversary. I can't wait for everything we get to experience together. Yours always and forever. Oh, forever. forever. To Rihanna Rosara Strauss from your mom, Tiffany. Happy 13th birthday, you gorgeous girl. I love you forever. To Riley from Abby. Congrats on your high school graduation. Can't wait to listen to Scared to Death on Rides to School with you. It was actually really Uh, cute. This uh, Abby wrote in and said that like her and her little sister are so close and she was kind of like teasing her because her little sister always does what she does like in a sweet way and now they're going to the same university. So sweet. That is so sweet. To Elizabeth, aka Lil Bit from Katie. (laughs) Happy birthday. Thanks for being an amazing friend and to Summer and Willow from Summer. Happy birthday to both of us. Awesome. I have had jock jams in my head ever since I mentioned MC Puppy Pants. Okay, what jock jams? Y'all ready for this? And and then that's when MC Puppy Pants he has like a boombox and he has like a keep going, keep going. He has a full puppy like dog outfit from neck down, and then like little ears, prosthetic like little puppy ears hanging off. And then, but like a face painted up like a puppy. Real cute. Mm-hmm. And he does like little dances when he walks in. And he's getting the kids clapping. He's like, you know, he just clap his hands. Okay, too loud. Too loud. <laughs> Y'all ready for this? And, and then he's like, roo, 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 roo. and he's, you know, MC Puppy Pants. Okay, and do you know when they play this? They play this at the Puppy Bowl at the Super Bowl. Oh. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 I'm into it. I, yeah, I picture like a whole thing where you you're, hire. You're a marketing team's dream. He's made, he's making balloon animals, but only but only like dog shapes, only, like dog only bones. Dog shapes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He ha- he has you know puppy treats that are like act like they're puppy food, but they're actually candy that he can like toss out to the kids. Oh. Um, he does lots of tricks and stuff. You know, freeze. He rolls like over. Spins a ro- like yeah, does mm-hmm. like spins. Yep, yeah, on his hind of- knees or on his hind legs, like walks a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. Well- Y'all ready for this? Dun dun. Um. And that's our show. 
Uh, thanks for continuing to send in your personal tales of terror. This too. is 100% my life. Like, you were like having your weird, like, Junie episode. Now you've got this. It's like, does anybody else's partner do this? Is, is this a, like a male centric thing or is this like a like crazy person thing? Or <laughs> like, like what? Male centric or mental illness? No, but it's like, I'm so fascinated by how quick your brain, I mean, I know I tease you about it, but how quickly your brain in like, Three minutes just built a whole story, a narrative, what this person looks like, the sound of it, like the whole who else's partners do this? Like, is this is this just a Dan Cummins thing? Or <laughs> I can picture his little dance go. and stuff too. Yeah. I have a whole th- little movie in my head right now of this guy coming to this party. God bless your brain. I love it. It's such a beautiful thing. Curse. Blessing or curse. I think mostly a blessing. Uh <laughs> that's our show. Uh, thanks for continuing to send in your personal I still fucking hear it. Do you want me to do the closing? Do you need help? No, I can do it. Uh, to send in your personal tales of terror to my story at scaredtodeathpodcast.com. You can email us for everything else at info at scaredtodeathpodcast.com. You're struggling so hard. Thanks to Logan Keith, uh, Tyler C for the work on social media, and Logan again for running badmagicmerch.com. Thanks to Logan for producing and directing today. Zach Cohen for custom soundbed creation. Uh, Heather Rylander for organizing the My Story emails. <laughs> Book editor Drew Atana for his work on book number four. MC Puppy Pants for putting on the sickest birthday party ever! People howling. Um, thanks to producer Olivia Lee, Sarah Finch, <laughs> for finding today's second story. I found the first. Subscribe to Bad Magic Productions on YouTube if you want to watch a show. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram if you want more content. See pictures that accompany episodes at Scared to Death Podcast. And we have a private Facebook group, Creeps and Papers, <laughs> with so many horror-loving members waiting to meet you and MC Puppy Pants. I feel like MC Puppy Pants is like going to be a guest on DJ Honey's show. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, yeah. Maybe uh, he like, quick shout out to our sponsor today. Uh, uh, make sure and go to mcpuppypants.com for all your birthday needs, ages five through whatever. He will entertain every single child and dog at that party. mcpuppypants.com. Uh, now back to the greatest hits of the 60s. I don't know. Um, he's supposed to be adult contemporary. Uh, sorry, sorry. He, but, he, but well, people who live through adult comp- contemporary have children who need puppy pants. MC puppy no, pants. I'm just saying he recommended the wrong music. I felt I oh, felt like that was oh. a glitch in his character. But sometimes, you know what? Sometimes other DJs at Charlotte's number one adult contemporary, they are out sick and he has to take over for other genres. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hmm? Didn't we meet uh, DJ Honey's like brother like last week? No? What? Yeah, there was another guy that I thought could have been on. Oh, yeah. I can't remember who that was. You're right. Remember. That was on the, yeah. I can't remember which episode that was. Yeah, you can find us on TikTok at Scared to Death Podcast. Check out highlights from episodes. Great way for some visuals. And if you don't want to hear ads, if you want monthly bonus episodes, check out our Patreon. Enjoy your nightmares, creeps and peepers. Hope you were scared to death. You're dying. <laughs> if spirits threaten me in this place, fight water by water and fire by fire. Banish their souls into nothingness and remove their powers until the last trace. Let these evil beings flee through time and space. Evil may pass through, but has no home here within scared to death. Bad Magic Productions. Oh my god! You're fired! <laughs> Tyler does not give me a heart attack. <laughs> oh, that's good.
Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. Why are smart businesses graduating to NetSuite by Oracle? Because NetSuite eliminates the expense of multiple business systems by consolidating your operations together into one. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. NetSuite reduces IT costs because it lives in the cloud with no hardware required, so you can access it from anywhere. You cut the cost and headaches of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. Bringing all your major business processes into one platform improves efficiency, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move, so do the math. You'll see how you'll profit with NetSuite, too. And now, by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Just go to netsuite.com slash podcast25 for more information. That's netsuite.com slash podcast25.